Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, Session 7. Afternoon, Kat. How you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? Oh, man. Uh, any day off work's a good day, right? Well, I had to work today. <laughs> so I'm doing great, though. Thanks for asking. Uh, so uh, talking about our uh, session last night, uh, Session 7, um, so how'd you think it went? Um, it was very, very, very RP heavy. And by very RP heavy, I mean, that's all we did. Yep. That's all we did. Four hours of it. Uh, wasn't a yep. single, um, dice roll in, uh, done in anger, no combat. So no combat, no spells, I think were even casted. Uh, nothing let's see yeah maybe not uh i know we did some um stealth checks um you know perception rolls that kind of thing but yeah um, investigation and all that such yep so um yeah definitely a uh a session for kind of relaxing between adventures teddy had mentioned that we'd been in kind of two very you know back-to-back um very quick pace of uh, mostly combat oriented sessions. So I thought he'd give us some downtime and let everybody kind of just free form role play. And he had some encounters that were, that were um, scheduled for the evening, but uh, once again, they were just RP encounters. So uh, let's talk about a little bit about it. Um. More or less, we kind of started getting settled back into our uh, everyday lives. This time, all of us except for Winifred at uh, Winifred slash Mask at uh, Spare Parts. We kind of picked out our rooms. Um, Winifred is staying away for, um, uh, we're still assuming, mimic reasons. Um, yeah, it's currently unknown and undisclosed what reasons he's uh not staying at spare parts for yeah and we were going to talk about it when we when we did some um role play chat and uh, keelan had gone to find him and uh, did find him they um, ate a meal together and talked for a little bit he wasn't comfortable in that setting talking to me why he doesn't why he didn't want to be at spare parts so wanted to go back to somewhere more private so we were going back to spare parts and then when we got there there was a lot of other activity going along but that was a little further into the session um so we things did start to kind of get back to normal look like um tick tick that uh, wasn't it kind of a mantis kind of creature that we mm-hmm. Uh, saved initially from being mugged. That was like um, the first combat encounter that we ever did. Yep. And uh, so uh, they had been kind of coming and going, and also Gorko. Um, and then uh, see, also found out that uh, my Mastiff, uh, Riley, doesn't really care for tieflings very much. Um, so... Hasn't been a issue. Um, the way that Teddy explained it is the mage bred animals can understand common speech and are intelligent enough that 
uh, you know, we haven't had any trouble. If I introduce someone as my friend, they'll understand that uh, they're not a chew toy for the most part. Right. Um, let's see. And that's, so, that's, that's where we started off the session was uh, you and I coming back um, from the ranch hand uh, without Lars in tow because Lars stayed behind and got his <laughs> spunk on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So you and I were heading back to spare parts, and we ran into Prue in the front. You guys were talking shop about getting, um, talking about going over to the docks for some leads and whatnot. Yeah, which we never really get, kind of got around to because so much other RP got in the way. So yeah, um, as at this point, um, Prue made an investigation roll to see if there's any suspicious creatures around spare parts. Because there's been a lot of activity yeah. going on, and she rolled pretty high. She rolled a twenty-five. Yeah, nailed and it. And this, yeah, <laughs> and this was one of the encounters that where if she didn't roll a twenty-five, it would never have happened. But or a twenty-five and or like I guess a twenty-four and lower would have never happened. But if she got twenty-five and higher, it happened. And lo and behold, she rolled a twenty-five, and there was this um, gentleman older orcish you know like magnum pi as as he was described with the mustache the magnum the pi mustache yeah but very blocked jawed strong yeah could tell yeah. he'd been a merc yeah and um so as you and prue were talking about riley prue just was like bye and just left mid-conversation and went over to this person um you followed her i stayed across the street and was going to be like backup i guess in case if anything went wrong i kind of wanted to give her her space so i wasn't trying to like be snoopy or encroaching on her um so i just kind of kept my distance so it was like okay something's happening i'll just be on the lookout you know i'll be around but i won't explicitly follow yeah. excuse me uh, and um i i followed across the street and then kind of split off because i didn't want both of us to be if it was an enemy i didn't want us to both be readily targetable and then right yeah so go ahead so it it turns out that he he introduced himself as prue's father and this kind of took me by surprise because i wasn't i don't know what i was expecting this session to be but it wasn't family reunion session um is i was not expecting family reunions uh, from a third of the party and we'll get more into that later yeah spoiler there was more than one (laughs) yeah um but we started off meeting prue's father he's retired from the sharn watch i believe um uh like you used to be on the like an investigator or some sort um and he clearly knew his stuff because he spotted you and offered you to come over and sit down and sit down with them. And then you were kind of like hesitant, like you looked at Prue and Prue was just like, yeah, it's OK, it's fine. Come on. And then you went over and, and did your introductions. And then you guys, you know, mingled and talked about stuff. And, you know, he was kind of as Teddy was describing, he was helicopter parenting uh, over Prue. And then um, what and really she was not me is that she she did not want him there. Yes, very obviously. Yeah, and uh, what caught my attention was that he spotted me from across the street, 
and I was giving him like dagger eyes or like a dagger stare. Like I was staring him down, which to be fair, I guess I kind of was. But, you know, I just casually like waved my hand, said, hey, how you doing? And then he waved back like so he was clearly aware of us and who we are because he's done his research because he's going to protect his daughter. Yeah, so he'd so, obviously done some investigation on the party and uh, what his daughter had been up to. Yep. And, you know, I don't, I couldn't tell how Prue's feelings were on that. I don't know if she was angry with him or if she was just like, oh, this is just what my dad normally does. This is what I expect him to do. Or I couldn't quite, um, I didn't, I didn't get, interpret. I didn't get the impression she was angry, more exasperated, just like, <laughs> Dad, you can't do this. You <laughs> go home. You know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, not like um, you know boiling hatred or anything like that. It was just um, yeah, uh, what uh, what most kids do with uh, overprotective dads. Yep, I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, sorry, we need to start that. a therapy podcast for you and me. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Uh, but after that, um, she invited him over across the street to spare parts. Is at this point I actually properly introduced myself. I made sure to say that I had a firm handshake because you know, like he's kind of he's Prue's dad. You know, I don't want to have any harmful relationships with anyone in the party, especially with their family. So I was trying to make a make a good first impression, and I thought I did. Um, and then at this point, you had the idea to go and get some steel. Yep. And um, I was told that the place to get the best steel in town was a place called Omar and Steelworks. And so you and I left, you and I and Riley left um, Prue and her dad and left spare parts to go uh, find this this uh, steel and uh, Keelan wanted to get the steel because she, she realized what bad shape Prue's arm was when uh, she very first joined the group. And then of course it fell apart during um, our encounter with the Mouther. And also uh, Portia had lost an arm. So Portia was building replacement arms with the help of her assistant for the both of them, and I wanted to find some really good steel that was lightweight. And I was thinking just like a fine steel of some kind. And when you and I got to the steelworks, uh, it was uh, Lady Paolo Amarin, right? That's the name? Mm -hmm. And uh, she was directing all of the activity at the forge, personally. And she suggested mithril steel to me. And I was like, holy crap, this is going to be expensive. I've never played in a campaign where Mithril was anything less than uh, King's Ransom. And although because we had uh, rescued Steeljack and um, she had a favorable opinion of us and didn't know this quite yet because this came a little later, but evidently you and she knew one another from before. Yes. Um, this, I personally, as a player, think Lady Paolo Omarin is absolutely the best NPC 
in the entire campaign that we've met so far. I think she's absolutely cool. She's neat. I like her character design, her attitude, just the way she conducts herself. She is easily my favorite NPC out of the entire campaign. And with Teddy's house rules of using inspiration, you can have a pre-established relationship with an NPC. Ever since she was first introduced, I wanted to have a pre-established relationship with her. But the, out of the two times we met her, I didn't have an inspiration, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> this time, I had an inspiration. She was there. I took a selfish request, and now I have made a pre-established relationship with Lady Paolo Amarin. And yeah, I am as happy as can be. I'm like a little kid in a candy shop because I, like I said, she, she's just my favorite. And I'm so happy that I can have some sort of connection with her. I'm going to say that uh, she's probably top three of uh, my favorite NPCs. So, yeah, I agree Who's, with you. Okay, going off topic for a little bit. Who's Who are the other two? Um... I would have to think for a little while. Bubba's is definitely one of my favorites. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty sure I think that one coming. So, um, and and then I don't know if uh, Lady Marin would be second or third, but I, um, but I'm going to reserve judgment on the last one until I make up my mind. But all right, um, that's fair. And and I'll buy you a box of pop tarts if you can actually tell me who the third one is. But you don't have to do it um, now. You don't have to. You don't have to think about it and do it now. Just uh, yeah, if you happen I'll to think to. about it and you're off time, just DM me. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah. yeah, we ran into we ran into her, and I, um, I didn't, I didn't mean for it to look like, oh, like as you were making the deal with the Mithril with Omarin, I didn't want it to be like my relationship. Like I used my inspiration to get a better deal on the Mithril. That was the last thing on my mind, to be honest. Like I said, it was a But it happened reason. that way. It, it did happen that way, yes. We got a couple extra mithril ingots out of it. Yep. Um, and it did go favorably with the trade, but like I said, it was a completely selfish request. I did it purely for me and myself alone. So, and it turns out that she, as a incentive to give us some more mithril, but... She was looking for like a model of sorts to show off some um, some armor. Yeah, some of the have. wares that the forge made. Yep. And so for like an extra mithril ingot, she threw in if I could just if she could just like borrow me, and then I could model off the armor and the the shields and all the other stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? I didn't have anything planned for these two weeks, and I get to spend time with. Hello, Amarin. Hell yeah, count me in. <laughs> so uh, the uh, the practical side of it, though, was we got our six pounds of mithril for 200 gold pieces, which really was only 50 gold pieces per pound uh, of, you know, refined ingots. And so we got a really, really good deal. Uh, but Keelan's, yeah, she gave it to you at like half cost or normal rate, didn't she? Oh no, it was it was it was even below that because Teddy mentioned that it would have cost over a thousand gold for six pounds of mithril. Oh, yeah. Well. So we got it for you know like one sixth cost, which was uh, pretty brilliant. But anyway, um, we had that. We had those ingots sent back to spare parts and uh, gave them to. 
Porsche. And um, she was excited to get the materials and uh, started making the uh, the prosthetic limbs out of out of that instead of regular steel. Um, so then let's see. So you were doing your modeling. Uh, we didn't see Lars come back like until we had already been back for like two days. He went on like a three day bender. Yeah. He went on his, he got his spunk on at the ranch and then he went to do some networking for a couple of days. Right. Yeah. And came back with a level of exhaustion. <laughs> So and a lot of phone numbers with no with no faces to the names. And when he when he uh, got up to eat, I asked him if uh, he was interested in food or if I could showing some show him something in a cure disease. And <laughs> um, anyway, he um, he also <laughs> he also didn't he also say something about the way his leather armor looked. Yeah, he said he wanted his. Um, I don't know if he said leather or studded leather. Yeah, whichever, whatever um, armor he's wearing. Uh, yeah. What What did he say he wanted it to look like? He wanted it to be in a tank top and booty shorts. <laughs> That's it. Tank or, top. No, not a tank top, a crop top. Crop top and booty shorts. And <laughs> I was I was reminded of uh, something that a uh, fantasy artist once told me. He said, some armor is built to protect and some to distract. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, Lars is definitely trying for the distract route. Um, okay. So, uh, this, so we're still, uh, before our, uh, two hour rest break. And, but at this point, <laughs> I, or right around this point, it actually may have happened slightly before the, uh, this, this point in time, but I, I finally felt vindicated <laughs> For all of my confusion over Porsche and Prue, because because Prue called herself Porsche, <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, it's not just me; <laughs> it's the peas." So, in in uh, uh, homage to that, I decided to play a little bit of uh, Double Vision for you. <laughs> So both of the peas now have one arm each and makes them even more similar. <laughs> and not even the players can keep track. <laughs> so uh, that was a great that was a great time for me last night. So Yeah, if you want to talk about confusion, you should not look at my family tree. <laughs> okay. Well, uh yeah, so uh we found out Prue's dad's name too, right? What was it? Oh, it was Baruch. Baruch. Okay. Yep. Yeah, I for- totally forgot to mention that when we were talking about him. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. You were doing great. Um. Okay. So, um, Lars comes back to spare parts. Um. It's at this point. We flop over to me at Lady Omarin's um, steelworks, and I'm getting like fitted and suited up in a, like a piece of armor. And we, or we, sorry, I 
come across uh, the fire giant Gorodon, which we met in session basically zero, right? Uh, yes, the fire giant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So he was like our first, I think he was like our first NPC we met and talked to as a group. He was in Sharn uh, on his way on the same boat with us to go to Zendrick and um, Stormreach. And he was just, you know, chit-chatting over with me. He was giving me some information about, um, like, our, our doppelgangers that uh, Lord Yorick Amanitou sent our doppelgangers out on a grandiose mission to investigate the giant issue out in the forest. And by doppelgangers, he means the other group that kind of shares our names. Like, it's, um, I, I don't even remember what... what uh, my doppels was so I'm Keelan. Yours, and was, yours was Keelith. Keelith, that's right. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Mine, and, mine was. Um, it wasn't Crimson Rest. It was like Crimson Crest or yep, something like yep. that. Like the last name was. That different. sounds right. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember the other ones. What their pseudo doppelganger names but, were, but that was the that, that's what you meant by doppelgangers. It was the other group that kind of had names similar to ours, and they got sent yep. out on this quest. Yep. By York. So it so it seems like York is favoring them over our party for the moment. Um, but it was but Gordon said that um, if anything, he thinks they're going to get slaughtered by the giants. Um, he um, he doesn't speak much else about that. We just kind of have a banter back and forth. But in the end, he basically gave me like a deal or like an an offer of sorts. It was more like I know my way around Zendrick, so I can be your guide. Which, but, to my mind, was the most important thing that happened all evening. Um, right. Uh, as far as uh, advancing the quest. This encounter right. with Tabane and the Fire Giant, essentially when they offered to be our guide, that means that we won't fall prey to the Traveler's Curse. Or, yeah, that's right, Traveler's Curse. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this kind of gives us a way to leave the city and kind of explore the wilds around. Yeah. And it, 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 he offered it more as in like, I'm using you and your party for, for your steel, for lack of a better term. Basically our fighting ability. Yeah. For our abilities. Yes. Thank you. Um, he wasn't doing it out of like the kindness of his heart. He wasn't doing it to be nice or to like befriend us. Like he was, he made it fairly clear that he was using us for our abilities, and he in turn would offer himself as a guide against a traveler's curse. So I think now that makes us our second potential guide. I th- believe our first potential guide is Tick Tick. But I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one. I hadn't got that impression, but that doesn't mean I didn't miss something. Right. This was also like the the session zero when this happened too. But um, 
but yeah, that happened while I was being fitted. You know, I said goodbye to Gordon and we just kind of parted our ways. Um, after that, that was like the first half of our two week kind of staycation. Um, now we're on to the second week of it. We get a uh, a social call from Lord Yorick Amanitou. This is when he comes to spare parts. He's asking, well, demanding, more like, to see Portia. Uh, apparently the other Storm Lords, um, more specifically Varen Last Day, have been giving him verbal dick punches. That was the, about, yes, that was the term, dick punching. <laughs> yeah, dick punching um, uh, was over the misunderstanding that happened at spare parts when he sent in that iron band of hobgoblins at the to with a writ to spare parts so he was coming over to more or less make amends for doing that um he was he was coming through the front door and he met you first and pretty yep he met you and Prue first um and you were just like hey how you doing whatever um, and then he's like, where's Portia? And you're like, she's in her workshop. Shop. Yes. Thank you. Or, I, I, I don't even, I don't even remember if I said workshop. I remember saying that she was indisposed and that I would be, or maybe I did say she was in her shop and I'd be happy to have her greet him at her next break. Yes. Yeah. I wanted to say live instead of shop for some reason. Um, but yeah, that's that's what you said. And he's like, no, 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 no. Lord Yorick Montu was like, no, no, no. I'll see her right now. And you were, you said something else along the lines of like, I'm not at liberty to say where that is. Like he, yeah, like he, he wanted to be taken was. to her shop. And you're right. like, I'm not at liberty to disclose that information. And then I noted that I was staying completely away from the secret door that led there. Which in the end it didn't matter. Right. But before he got into the house, Prue just kind of body blocked him standing in front of the doorway. She was just like, no, 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 you're not getting past me. And then Lord Yorick Monty was more, I don't know why I'm saying it like his full name. Um, Yorick is, was more as like, do you know who I am? Do you know what you're doing? And she's like, yeah. Prue was like, yeah, I know. I know well aware of my actions and who you are. And she just, kind of still stood there and he just kind of pushed shoved right past her straight into straight into her her house in her shop and he went straight to the secret door like knowing exactly where it is so i have concerns on maybe we might need a new secret door or porsche <laughs> might need a new secret door so he went in the secret door he was coming down the stairs yelling and screaming for porsche and porsche's in her shop tinkering away and whatever and and um, she's just in in her own world at this moment. Um, and then she, once she comes out, she greets him. And she's just like, all right, let's not talk here. Let's talk in my office. So she brought him over to the office. And it was at this point, York was just like, listen, I understand. There was some miscommunication. And I didn't intend for that to happen the way it did so i'm here to give you an apology 
and Portia milked that apology out of him graciously, whether he meant it or not. Yeah. She got that apology. And on top of that, she also um, she also received, Portia received, a thousand gold notes. And then after that, your commander to I keep saying his full name. I just <laughs> I don't need to do this. I just need to say their name. Um, York, he was just like, right, my business here is done. I'm leaving. And as he was leaving, Dob Chaba showed up. I think she was there the whole time, but Dob Chaba was made aware. Her presence was known. And he was like, hey, I couldn't, you know, based on our agreement, I couldn't think of a better place for her to stay, especially now that Portia has her home back. I couldn't think of a better place to think of putting Dab Chaba other than in your care. Yeah, and so it's I, I don't if Portia doesn't care that Dab Chaba stays, I certainly don't care. The however, the agreement to give him that artifact, the toe that we found, um, was that he would house and um, and feed, you know, and care for Dabshaba. That was part of the agreement. So as long as the, uh, the food and the, because the dragon's going to eat a lot, um, mm-hmm. probably more than just, you know, a standard, you know, when we pay for a, a day's worth of food and lodging and that sort of thing, it's going to cost probably a significantly more to, for the dragon. And so as long as that portion of it is kept up, um, Keelan's not going to raise a big stink about it, but I, the way that she kind of feels is that he hasn't lived up to his side of the bargain. And she feels at that point, like she's not very willing to strike another bargain with him. Now this is just my own, you know, my own musings, but what did you think? Um, Dom Shaba is a, a growing uh, bronze dragon. Um, so having the space for her is going to be very difficult. Um, but I think the more important thing is having the provisions for Dom Shaba. And as long as it's not coming out of our pocket and it's coming out of Yorick's, like the agreement was said, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think the housing part could have been better, but you know, I mean, I, you can't get everything you want, you know? No, that's true, but you should be able to get everything that you bargained for. And that was agreed to. Yeah. And that's, that's her that like i said that's just keelan's take on it she added that to the deal it was agreed to before we turned over the toe and now it's not being adhered to although um the woman uh that was with him what's her name again uh captain trellis morgan trellis so she said that um the food would still be taken care of she kind of told that to us on the slide right before she followed him out the door. Yep. So once again, if that's Uh, the case, I'm not going to get too upset. Yep. 
And so it was at this point where you and Mask had a rendezvous um, over at the, was it the Phoenix that no. you guys met up? No, we didn't meet at the Phoenix. It was, um, what was the name of that joint? It was called, um, let's see. It's not the place he's staying at, is it? No. It is. Uh, <laughs> I remember I went there by a roundabout way and uh, the chapter house. That was the name of the place that, um, yeah. that he was staying. And. Yeah, so we did all of this in uh, in character, the fireside chat, and this was between sessions. So essentially, Keelan went out, did some shopping, ran by, took a look down at the docks to see if she could see anything suspicious going on, and then uh, walked to that establishment and set up and um, just ate a meal Mask joined her and the guys of Winifred, and they spoke at length about, um, you know, kind of what was going on. And after speaking for a while, Mask decided that they would rather speak in a more private location. So we walked back to spare parts, and we were going to kind of talk there. But by the time we got there, there were other things going on. Yeah, this was when Gorko kind of interrupted you two, saying that he saw a a group of drow that were like heavily armored, and and one of them had a rifle, and that they were making haste towards um, spare parts. So we kind of, I I think, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think you and um, Mask or or Winifred at the time. Uh, took this as sort of a threat, and so yeah. you kind of made it made it double time back to spare parts to warn the rest of us. And I think I took it as more of a threat than Mask did. Uh, Winifred was more or less like, um, you know, I think he even mentioned maybe visitors, uh, and but I took this as like, especially because specifically the gun got mentioned i thought like it was some sort of a strike team to recover the timepiece or something like that so i went in and alerted everyone went and got my armor on and about the time i was coming downstairs these six dro walk in to spare yep. parts um just just a little skip back before they walked in um you told me to go get Portia and Prue who were in the workshop downstairs. So I went downstairs and I, um, I, they were fitting their arms that they were finally done. Yep. Both of their arms were done. Uh, Prue got a new, uh, docking port for her arm because her old one was bad and Portia needed to replace everything about it. Um, so I respecting Portia's privacy, I didn't go barging, barging in. I knocked, made myself aware, patiently waited for what whatever was going on inside to finish up 
and then um she kind of like poked her head open like through the crack of a door she didn't open up the door all the way and then i relayed the details and something clicked within her and she flung open the door and just ran right past me straight up there and then then this group of hooded figures walk into spare parts and teddy's just like okay what 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 all do you do and it's like you're getting changed into your armor lars is blissfully unaware of what's happening and he's writing in his room i said like i don't have time to change into my armor so i'm just gonna like confront them as is and like have my longsword at the ready i think prue took up a uh, position on the stairs to get kind of like elevation over the front door and you know we're we're all too too i i can't think of the correct term but we're we we looked at it in the wrong way because in the end Portia threw herself onto the guy in the lead and it turns out this was the other family reunion and it was Portia's twin brother yep who mentioned that his arm quit working yes and uh, i think that was ago. that was that was implied um when Portia's arm got cut off from the portal that his arm stopped working. So it implies that there's some sort of connection other than just a relationship of brother and sister between the two. Yep. That was Cause he was like, implication. my, yeah, my arm stopped working and then all of a sudden it started working again. And she's just like, Oh, well I lost my arm and now I have this one. And, and, um, that's what the that's what occurred so the hooded figures were not a threat at all it was just Porsche's brothers little band of merry men um they immediately noticed that Winifred was a shapeshifter yes and um before we go any further i'm not going to forget it like we did with Baruch but um Porsche's brother's name is Isidro like is Adro Yep, that's how I've been <laughs> pronouncing it to myself. Is like is a dro, so it's Isadro. Um, he's he was described um, very similar looking to Portia. You know, like uh, he's got the light freckles and the um, I, I can't remember all the other details. All I remember is the freckles, sunglasses, rifle, black armor. Yeah, what, what else do you need? <laughs> yep. And um he was described as a little little bit of a flirt. And uh at one point he hit on Prue, which Prue rightfully shot down immediately without hesitation. Excuse me. So And so at this point everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Um Winifred is in the back with Gorko in a tree. Lars comes up and talks about his, um, I want to say manifest, but that's not the right term. Uh, yeah. So he, he wrote, um, a manuscript manuscript. And, yeah. Yes. And, um, did a really good job that he had him roll inspiration or, uh, not inspiration, uh, performance. Uh, performance. And, 
uh, rolled 23, I think, was the modified. Yeah. Um, we There was also Brook and myself and Prue were in the back as well. Brook was um, cooking up some steaks. Oh, we forgot to mention this a while ago. Um, he was cooking up some steaks, and one of them was uh, very... Seasoned red. with devil peppers. Yep, it was red, but not rare. And so, um, how did that taste for you? It was delicious. <laughs> and then I got to make a, a saving throw, and it almost killed me. <laughs> the The heat from the devil peppers almost killed me. <laughs> so, it was, it, while it was delicious, I probably had hot pipes for the next three days. Yep. So we we learned that um, he was uh, a whiz at the grill, and he was teaching you all sorts of tips and tricks, and even me to some point. But I kind of played it off that like you burned the burgers. I indulged, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I I will also say that all things uh, between father and daughter aside, I like Prue's dad. I do too. He's a very great character and i i think if if i imagined what a dad would be like that was what i is that's what i would imagine so but yeah um as you mentioned um, um at some point brooke and prue took a moment to have a father-daughter bond real quick and he left me in charge of grilling up the burgers and i am no cook I grew up in the military. I'm used to the mess hall. I'm used to just kind of getting my slop on a tray and eating it there. So any cooking experience, any survival experience, that's not that's not my forte. So I accidentally kind of may have burned the burgers and made a mess in the backyard. Oh, I w- which- I do want to I do want to back up one more uh, time to when I was walking back with Winifred and you said Gorko showed up to tell us that we had to roll perception uh, because Gorko was sneaking oh. and I rolled really high 20 something 24 25 23 and still got surprised that was pretty impressive. Yeah, we learned uh, Garko's a really sneaky snake. Yeah. So anyway, back to skip forward again. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so um, Prue and Brooke had their private conversation, their bonding moment. I burned the grill. Is at this point, Winifred kind of, he left in a hurry, um, making a noticeable exit. Uh he stuck around for a good while, uh, but then we we had a cup of tea together, and I let him know that the uh, none of the newcomer Drow cared for him very much, and he didn't. Um, Winifred did not seem surprised at all. So, yeah. uh, but stuck around for a little while, but did cut out early and said that they would let us know where they were going. Was it Lars that tried to follow mm-hmm. and got lost almost immediately? 
Yeah, he he they had to make an opposing stealth check for Lars and a perception check for Winifred. But Lars rolled a four. He rolled a nat one, three with modifiers. That's right. And yeah. and uh it you pretty much didn't even have to roll Winifred Winifred didn't have to roll for his uh, perception because with a four and a stealth, you just pretty much give yourself away. And Winifred got lost in the crowd and kind of made his escape. Um, while all this is going on, Portia and Isidro also, you know, they catch up, they have their moment, their brother, sister bond together, you know, like she's punching him. He's making jokes um you know just doing like brothers sisterly things catching up after i don't know how long she's been apart from him it seemed like it was a while from the implied conversations it seemed like they were apart for a while so they it was nice to see them um catching up and i i think it might have been isidro that uh, slipped Keelan a um, a note that had ingredients and some dro cuisine on it, so that I could make things that Portia would like better. Right. Um, you, I thought that would have been Gilda, and maybe it was. I because it got slipped under the door. I didn't. It, it wasn't handed to me, so it could have been. Right. Yeah, for a little context, because we kind of skipped over this. Um, while Portia was making her the arms, she was very engrossed in her activities, and you were very kind enough to make everyone um, roasted potatoes and some sort of meat, but uh, made it a point to that there was always roasted potatoes. Yep. And, and you were making meals for everyone, and you were bringing them down to Portia, and Portia was so engrossed in her work that she didn't really eat all that much it was it was told to us that boxy ate the meals that were given to her yes and later on it was told to us or she explained to us that she didn't really care too much for potatoes and that was one of your staple dishes yes and will continue to be because potatoes is what keelan likes (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's that's when the a note was slipped under your door for um drow ingredients or ingredients that drow drow's favor um just so you can have some variety and and yeah and she, what and you do with that keelan's not adverse yeah. to making other things as well but potatoes will always be on the menu and for the record that is because potatoes are always on my menu <laughs> <laughs> uh, if i was given the horrible choice of being a vegetarian or having to give up potatoes, I would, after much gnashing of teeth and trying to find out who put me to such a terrible choice so I could end their days on earth, um, I would give up the meat and keep the potatoes. Wow. Yeah, how about it? (laughs) So anyway, go ahead. I mean, potatoes are very versatile. You can have them all kinds of ways. Yep, all kinds of ways. Yeah. So, you know, the, the the night dies down, the weekend, the week, the second week comes more to an end of sorts. And uh, we get uh, another note that was slipped under the front door this time. And it was from Winifred. 
Um, this note read, had to go, cover was in danger. I know Lars didn't mean it. Sorry for the shortness of my tone. I am staying at Open Palm. Will return when there's less of a crowd. Otherwise, I am gathering intel. Please burn after reading. And we did that. Yes. Although by this point, Keelan was up in bed. Yeah, you retired to the night. Um, Prue said goodbye to her father, who promised not to be as overbearing in helicopter parenting as he has been. So he left. I finished up cleaning my mess uh, in the backyard with the burned hamburgers and the grill and everything. And I just kind of... I didn't know what to do at that point. I didn't really want to go to bed. So I just kind of like walked over to the kitchen where... Um, or at least I believe it was the kitchen. It was um, where Prue and Portia were talking to one another. I didn't feel a need to announce myself or interrupt in conversation, so I was just kind of like, I'm here now, but I'm not here at the same time. Um, Prue, with her insane passive perception, knew I was there, but didn't really bring light to my presence and um Portia was showing off the rifle that she made for Isidro to Prue. That was interesting. And we found out that Isidro's rifle that Portia actually did make it. And yes. for a I think uh Teddy said a two week investment and two hundred gold or something like that that Portia could create other firearms. And that doesn't seem all that bad. I don't know what kind of projects Portia has lined up for herself. I'm sure she's got plenty of other things to work on. But it was towards the end of the day, Prue did ask for a commission of said rifle. And so I think we'll be getting one of those in our party in the near future. That'll be um, good. Yeah, I'm... I'm curious. I think Prue is getting kitted out to the max now because, oh, that's one thing we forgot to mention. Um, and it just now recalled to me. Prue has an arm blade in her new arm now. Does Portia it's, have one as well, or is it just Prue? It's just, as far as I know, and as far as it was told to us, I think it's just Prue. Portia said hers was had like runes on it and was more... I don't want to say tribal, but I think that's the only thing that comes to mind right now. But it was hers was I think is is different. But Prue does have a arm blade, and I don't know if it's like a if like it flips out or if it like springs out. I, I think it was described was, as a spring out, like yeah. comes straight out, like uh, Wolverine's claws or something. Well, however it comes out. Um, it's cool. And now I think Prue is getting kitted out because she's got an arm blade. She's got that scimitar she bought not too long ago. And then now she's commissioned for a rifle, not to mention like her proficiency with crossbows. Like I think she's got probably, I think the most diverse weapon set out of the group. And then at least she has the, the most options given to her on, um, whether she wants to go ranged or melee or if like she's not caught, like if she doesn't 
she's out and about and she doesn't have her scimitar on her, well, she's got an arm blade. So she's not always unarmed and she's at the ready. So I think that's pretty cool. The only downside that I thought of, because I thought it was also very cool to have the the blade put in there. The only downside I thought of was if it's not concealed, that if she were to ever be taken prisoner, they would take the arm as well. Oh, yeah. That's the only downside. But if it is concealed, maybe they wouldn't know to. Right. Well, I'm just going to assume for flavor text that Portia knows what she's doing and that she's going to make it look more like a prosthetic arm than she is going to make it look like an arm blade. So at least that's what I'm going to envision. How it actually comes down to it, I don't know. But that pretty much rounds out the session. Uh, It ended with Portia, Prue, and myself. Uh, at this point, my presence was known, and I just was just like, hey, I'm here. I was done cleaning outside. Just wanted to know if there was anything else to do. Um, the three of us were in the kitchen, and we kind of like shared a glass of wine together and ended off the session. Yep, I was uh, trying to think if there was anything other. Uh, the only, The only bit of dialogue that I thought might have been significant was when uh, Dabjaba was dropped off in our lap. They said that they knew that our, they had told me that their paths, that our paths were going to cross again. I didn't know if that was prelude to Dabshaba being like planning on going with us when we leave the city or being part of the, of the group or didn't know, or if that was just a, a throwaway. Yeah, I I came to that same conclusion as well. I didn't bring it up because I didn't know if Dabshaba was going to become like a Riley, like where she was going to be a part of the party and she was going to adventure with us, or if she was going to be more of a boxy and she doesn't leave the compounds of Portia's shop. Which that would be fine too, because that just means Portia's shop will be that much safer. So I'm Very. I'm actually fine with it either way, but... Uh, that's just what it made me think of. It was interesting that Top Chaba got dropped back in our laps right when we were thinking about leaving the city. Yep. So. And so now I'm once again uncertain what um, our next adventure for next session is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be more shopping or more uh, learning about Stormreach or whatever. Um, The only thing I'm looking forward to personally for next session is I want to know what kind of relationship Teddy is going to come up with for myself and Paolo Marin. That's, that's what (laughs) I'm looking forward to. I'm, I'm looking forward to our next combat. Uh, Not just, uh, not just to make everything hack and slash. I don't, I don't necessarily, it doesn't have to happen right away. Just the next time that we organically get into combat, I am I am really looking forward to that because I want to see what everybody can do now. <laughs> now that we're third level. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've been meaning to ask people what they take on as their subclasses. So uh, yeah, I'll be excited to uh, I'll be excited to see what everybody can 
uh, pull out of their hat now that, you know, like I've got my second level spells now and, you know, we've got a few more hit points. You, you have your, your oath and all that kind of stuff. So I, I mean, the oath is significant as in it's the oath of the paladin, but I honestly, like I said, I think last podcast, I really didn't gain much. I gained two spells that command and compel duel, which might come in handy, might not, but that's honestly all I gained is another spell slot and two spells that I'll always know and have prepared ready. But having a third, uh, having a third smite is a big deal. That is true. So, yeah, anyway. Um, so that was a session. Uh, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think that just about covers it. All right. Well, we're getting ready to kind of approach the hour mark anyway. So, um, thanks for coming on again after work and, uh, carving out some time for us. And, um, I'm sure I'll uh, be speaking with you again before the weekend, but, um, yeah. till then, uh, appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, well, we will talk to you all later. Hope you all enjoyed it. And as always, anybody decides they want to come on, let us know in chat. We'll be happy to make some time for you. Talk to you all later.